1: I love Scotch. I love Scotch. Scotchy Scotch Scotch. Here it goes down, down into my belly. This brand is truly exciting and so glad that they are starting to make a positive impact. Little Bean Soapery is a woman-owned small business based in Northeast Pennsylvania. Little Bean Soapery does so much as all products are handcrafted and offer many different things for both men and women. Soaps, scrubs, body butters, bath bombs, solid cologne, and much more. Little Bean Soapery also does things for special occasions such as birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, and special seasonal gift sets, but also let's not forget large orders for party favors by request. The great things about all products is that they are crafted to be nourishing on the skin. If you wish to check them out, please feel free to visit littlebeansoapery.com. Any questions, please feel free to also email Littlebeansopery at gmail.com for custom inquiries and or ask anything else you wish. Tell them that Elena from Crazy Train Radio sends ya!
2: This is Beatrice Buckley, a.k.a. Amanda Krueger for Nightmare on Elm Street 5 and other films, and you are listening to Crazy Train Radio.
0: Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in a podcast world, Croc Jonathan Steele,
1: and I'm Elena, your favorite host from the Emerald Isles.
0: Boy, do we have a good one for you today, sister. <gasps> this is one of God's creatures. Take solace in that. That is no creature of God. <laughs> Stop it! <You> get it. <laughs> Don't
1: let it get
2: away!
0: <laughs> This next guest has such a unique background, as her biological father. Rumor has it was a Swiss chronicle director from Basel, Switzerland. Could be wrong on that. But for those who don't know their geography, that's the dramatic region of Switzerland, as opposed to the French region. However, her grandmother was married to a Chinese man, so that makes her your Asian. I guess the term would be. She's best known as a younger Amanda Kruger from Nightmare on Elm Street 5, the dream child, Patrice Boppel. How are you this morning?
2: I'm doing very well, thank you, John. How are you? Uh,
0: no complaints. Nobody listens anyway. So, <laughs> Well, I know this is uh, new for you. Just, Well, not so much new, but a green... I guess the word would be as far as coming out on the convention scene and such absolutely so how's it for you what getting back in the swing of things
2: um, it's good it's exciting I'm actually it's a perfect time in my life because um, my second son is um, going off to college this fall so I'll be an empty nester so you know I kind of you know went out of the business for pretty much 20 years to raise my family and do other things spiritual things um, and now I can start to focus back in on my career so it's perfect timing
0: well speaking of the other things I want to bring this up early here is I know you are involved with yoga have your own studio and such so where can people find that if they wish to uh, look at that
2: well, yeah, I, I had never really kind of combined the two things. Um, they were sort of kind of separate. But um, yeah, I have my own studio. If people live in Rockland County, New York, they can they can uh, look it up. Willow Tree Yoga. But um, I I highly recommend yoga for everybody, anybody, wherever you live. And. It's so popular now that pretty much every town has a yoga studio.
0: Exactly, and we won't touch on that because I like to keep things personal and people's business, but it's definitely helped both of us in certain aspects that we've talked about off air. But with that, I'm curious to know, though, does that come from the background of living all over the place, Canada, you spent some time in Japan where you started acting as well as a child, and, but does that come from that background of being all over the place and not just one location?
2: Um, yeah, well, for sure. I, I, Yoga itself, I was introduced to. Um, at age five, when I was living in Japan, um, and my parents would take us to uh, meditation every Saturday at a Buddhist zendo. And in Buddhist um, meditation, you have to sit for like a full hour or longer and sit straight up. And you know, for a kid to sit not fidgeting um, and to hold your spine erect, it, it takes a lot of work. So she introduced us also to yoga. She had a yoga teacher that would come in and um, kind of prep us so that we could sit and meditate. Um, and then that kind of stuck with me. Um, and then, then I lived in India for a number of years, where of course yoga originated, four thousand yes. years ago. Um, and. And you're right, like traveling all over the world um, and doing all the different things I did, um, having a practice like yoga, which keeps you focused on your breath and keeps you turning in, inward, uh, definitely was a constant in my life. It kept, kept me able to hold an even keel, I suppose, no matter what ups and downs life brought.
0: Exactly. and It's funny, uh, that probably uh, was very helpful with young children at the time, as you said, your mom and your family, because we know children can be nuts.
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: So, obviously, professionally, you started out doing a theater and commercials and stuff, but like I mentioned in the intro, most people know you for Amanda Krueger. Yes. But... I'm curious, to know, even though you worked with folks like Richard Dreyfuss and Sidney Pontier and, you know, some legendary folks within the business, what's I'd like to be known for, because I know sometimes people feel like they're typecast, yeah. but how's that to you that I have this little brief piece of uh, history
2: yeah.
0: within a franchise?
2: Um, I'll tell you, I'll be very honest here. When I... First, was cast as Amanda Krueger, I had no idea the significance of what that was going to be in my life, um, and I had no idea really the significance of that role. Um, and and I'd hazard to say that most of my co stars, none of us realized what a big impact this um, franchise would have, nor did we realize what a lasting legacy you know the Elm Street franchise is, has become. Um, so, I don't think any of us took it as momentous as it. It truly was. Um, And I got to tell you also, and I don't want to disappoint horror fans, but a lot of us in the horror films, um, you know, are a little scared of horror. (laughs) A lot of us don't actually watch horror films. Um, I mean, I do. I love a good scare, though. I, I love really haunty, spooky stories. And growing up in the 60s, you know, there was a lot of more ghost, you know, psychological thrillery things, not so much the gore, which I know a lot of our fans love the gore, so, um, but, so when I got the role of Amanda Kruger, you know, I didn't even tell my parents, I didn't tell my, anyone in my family, because I knew that they didn't like horror, um, and then I found out when Elm Street actually opened, there was some article in the Washington Post or New York Times or something that had my name in it, and my grandmother found out about it. And she went and saw the movie, and she told me later on, you know, and and so here's this little, old, you know, Germanic grandma, you know, toddling up to the movie theater, and apparently the the box office guy was like, oh, ma'am, are you sure you want to see this? Do you know what kind of film it is? And she said, oh, I don't know what kind of film, but my granddaughter's in it, and she was very proud. And then, so I asked her, you know, afterwards, I said, I'm so sorry, Oma, what did you think of it? She goes, well, I really didn't understand what was going on, but you sure look beautiful, so.
0: Well, okay, I was going to ask post movie, did she admit that you're her granddaughter still?
2: Yes, she did, she did, you know. But, um but I I gotta tell you like for myself and again most of my co-stars it's only been you know more recently the past 10 years or so that we've really realized how what a lasting legacy that franchise is you know and and the fact that fans still have memories of it and want to meet us and you know it's it's astounding I, I had no idea really at the time yeah
0: and I'll leave it for this because speaking of lasting memories and such I know you were part of this documentary never sleep again yeah and a franchise I will say co-star even though he was in a different film will be at New Jersey Collector's Fest within the hour I'll say of this taping uh, because we all know New York area traffic is but that's our inner there uh, Mark Patton yeah but the reason I want to bring this up the documentary is because of your n- unique perspective that, and stories that actually made the cut as far as shooting your bloody scene. And, yes. And, like, it's a natural part of life, but just the way she told the story is hilarious. Yeah. But uh, speaking of it, you know, being a mom and everything else like that, and also an actress that this is a hard franchise and stuff, and obviously everybody's opinion is different, but when did you uh, feel it was okay to introduce this film to your sons?
2: I'm gonna tell you, my one son is 21 in college, my other son has just turned 18, and the two brats have never seen it yet. Once they hit, I don't know, maybe around 16, I said, oh, you can watch it now. And they don't even want to watch it. I want to smack those boys. They have not seen their mom in Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't know why. Or maybe they do secretly and just don't tell me. Um, You know, there's no nude scenes. There's no kissing. So I don't know why it bothers them. I know some of my other films where I'm having, you know, kissing another man other than their father. They get really upset about that. They're like, ew, I don't want to see kissing some man. But I have no idea why they haven't watched Elm Street yet. Um... It's a good thing you brought it up. I, I'm gonna get back to them and tell them, "Come on, dudes, watch your mom."
0: Yeah, but was there? I guess it was 16. You felt around 16 felt,
2: for my kids, yeah. Yeah,
0: for yeah, because like I said, everybody's opinion as far as their kids, especially with any acting, or you know, we know people in wrestling, or you know, just different forms of entertainment, right? That they, based on their personal values. Yeah, have different opinions on when they introduce their products, kind of, yeah, or what they do to their children. Yeah, so.
2: yeah. So that's yeah. For me, it was around 16. And I and I'll, I at a few of these conventions, when I meet fans and they bring their really little kids and the little kids have seen me. You know, for me, it's like really like I don't know. I I think I would be terrified if at a really young age if I saw some of those images. You know, I don't know. They haunt you. So, but it's again like you said, everyone has a different.
0: Idea. Uh, and I'll sidetrack real quick because I don't want to keep you forever. But I was corrupted at maybe two and a half, three, ah! to seeing the original film. Okay. And then saw the franchise as it went on. So we're talking 87, 88, because I am th- going to be 37. But the funny part is, with the sidetrack, my father was in the kitchen of our house one time, and I was watching part four with a neighbor. You know, she's maybe seven, eight years older than me, or whatever. So anyway, we're watching part four, and it's the, you know, junkyard scene and all that, when Ken gets killed. And uh, I get freaked out, because, you know, that it was a good shot of Freddy in the junkyard, and with the shadow, and coming up, the way. To, not to get too technical the... Camera work and everything, but it was like freaked me out. You know, I'm four years old. yeah know, in '88. He goes, I go, Dad, Dad, I'm, I'm scared. Right and he shows you the logic of a father. He goes, Well, what the hell are you doing watching that on TV anyway? If you weren't watching it, you wouldn't have been scared, <laughs> right? Right. T- Telling a four-year-old, so shows you where. I guess a certain toughness came mentally, but maybe that's why I needed psychological help. Just kidding, folks. But a a story I heard with you back to your lovely self, that a pigeon actually pooped on you when you did the scene with the birds and... Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Because um, when we're filming the scene, you know, when little... Baby Freddie quickly grows up, you know and that that whole sequence there. Um, and then when when I come out of the the church doors swing open and you see Amanda, you know, and pigeons are flying everywhere. Well, they had pigeon wranglers so for each cut they would you know get all the pigeons together and there were two people one on either side of the doors behind the doors and when they would say action they would release these pigeons so that it would look all fluttery and you know i i bring my hand out something i'm like your birth was the curse on the whole of humanity and on one cut a pigeon landed on my hand on one cut a pigeon lands on my shoulder one that lands on my head and yes i got pooped on
0: And (laughs) And, and I'll say this publicly, because he sent some funds to actually have me pick up some photos, but we have a fan from Australia, and you mentioned that line about your birth being a curse. It was funny because he, Ross, I know you appreciate me talking about this on air, but he goes, make sure when she signs my photo about the the curse, right, because that's the classic line that everybody thinks. Right. But the other thing, since we've mentioned animals, because I think it's funny because I read this yesterday, because we know everything on the internet is true, uh-huh. which is scary. But during the birth scene, you know, before the pigeons shitting on her and every, just everything, apparently for the birth scene they used, and yes, I was joking about it earlier, documentary and stuff, but apparently they used a cat in a bag to help, make it look like they were struggling and right. to pull the baby out. Right. So I'm guessing between that and the birds, well maybe more so with the pigeons, SPCA wasn't on set much.
2: No, SPCA wasn't on set. But I mean they were you know, of course they didn't harm. No animals were harmed. No, we're not
0: saying that. Maybe some
2: humans no. were, but I didn't, no <laughs> animals were harmed. And the and, it, and it's in particular the cat was um, once they pulled baby Freddy out you know, he's supposed to leap you know, the nurses, you know this is one of God's creatures take solace in that and um when he he, Freddie leaps out to have that action because the robot Freddie couldn't do that that they used a cat and so it's if you maybe if you can really slow it down you might be able to see it I wonder I've never tried but if you slow down that scene because the movement coming out of the nurse's hand down to the ground before it cuts to the baby Freddie was a cat so I don't know maybe some of you out there can do that
0: yeah, well, it's funny, maybe Mick Strong, we know his sister CJ was involved with this film, so I know he'll probably know that as well, being from working on the technical side of things. Right. And, you know, they share, share secret, not sharing secrets within the family, but, you know, you guys know what I mean. But it's funny, the reason I also referenced that too, which I found it unique, was because at the time, you, you weren't a mother, so you didn't know the actual... Well, you knew the process of childbirth, yeah. but, you know, I thought that was a good piece of acting because you didn't know where I know some actors like to draw from personal experience. Yeah. And you didn't have children yet that go through that process. So, yeah, I appreciate it that you were able to, yeah, we know this, but we don't. Well, you can't draw from personal experience if so that makes sense, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. To
0: say, okay, this is actually what happens, when I mean, you? When know. you give
2: birth, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah.
0: But where can folks uh, find you if they wish to on social media and such?
2: So um, on Facebook, there's uh, I have a I have a page on, under my name, Beatrice Buckley, and um, listed also under IMBD with my you know various.
0: So, you mentioned getting back into the acting and such. Before I let you go, uh, is there any projects that you are signed on for yet? Or are you still just trying to get your feet back in the water? I'm
2: just slowly going to be getting my feet back in the water. I, I haven't signed on to any projects. Um, I'm going to be doing a, you know, a number of conventions, and I'm excited about one in Norwich, England, next year. That, oh, nice. Um, I just found out they're sending me a contract on Monday. Um I'd love to, you know, get back into travel, too, because of COVID, it's been so held Yeah, bad.
0: everybody's been.
2: But, you know, my, my game plan is pretty much this, up until the fall, my focus still is getting my son off to college safely, and then I feel like then I'm kind of done my, not that you're done parenting at, when they go to college, but that my I'll be able to focus back into my career.
0: Yeah, I'll use a line Garth Brooks used when he retired from music for several years there to be with his three daughters. He pretty much hit it on the head there. He goes, my goal in life, me, my ex-wife, and Trisha Yearwood, their stepmother, our goal in life right now is to make sure our babies make it to college and get to that next early adult stage of their life. Yeah. So that's nice that you were lucky to be able to be there for your children and yeah, you know, be, have that presence yeah. for them as they were growing up. Yeah. But like you said, you're always being involved in your children's... Of you course, know, yeah. It, it, it don't change.
2: Yeah, that doesn't stop, but it won't necessarily, hopefully, be a 24-7 full-on thing anymore.
0: Well, I got to ask with the convention, you said you're getting a contract next week for... Was that brought to you by the New agent? which...
2: Uh, no, actually, the, the organizers of... It's, it's Norwich... Um, I apologize. I can't think of the name, but it's in Norwich, England. They approached me directly. So.
0: Yeah. So, well, anyway, I will say, if you run conventions and stuff, we do recommend going through uh, silver screen appearances. Peter V., he's now helping a uh, interest uh, book appearances and stuff so we know he's got several nightmare talent like I said he's had Mark Patton good friend of the show and yours Lisa Wilcox is yes. involved yeah. a couple of production people Mick Strong and uh, Nick Benson and all there's and there's others from other franchises and movies and stuff so SilverScreenAppearances.com, I will recommend check it out if you're looking to book some of these guys I know Priya will appreciate the plug, but it's, hey, that's who's handling stuff now for you guys, which is wonderful, so features have a good show today.
2: All Thank you so much, John. It was wonderful chatting with you in person.
0: Thank you. I know we've been chatting through email and text and everything else, so it's nice to be able to deal with somebody in person.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Great. Want me
1: to get them? Well, I got them. My mouth is an Uzi, And I shot them with a with design to me.
0: SignatureHorror.com. That's right, SignatureHorror.com Hi, this is Lisa
2: Wilcox and I'm talking here on Crazy Train Radio.